What's going on, everyone? It's Greg Williams and Shakia Sykes. Welcome to the Grier Project podcast series. Now, you're probably like, Greg, what does Grier mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's five different letters that mean five different things. Gender, race, inclusion, equity, and allyship. Right, Shaq? Right. It's a podcast series that centers on celebrating diversity within New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and the Department of Homeless Services. We'll spotlight cutting-edge DEI practices and broaden listeners' perspectives on current DEI issues. On this episode, we're going to continue talking to Kimi Kang, CEO of Alchemist Beauty, on employee burnout and keeping it together in the workplace, part two. So you know <laughs> that last that last one on burnout. I, we got some we got some listeners. I like it. I'm loving it. If you're listening to the Grier Project, I'm loving it. This is Greg Williams and Shakia Sykes. We are with the DSS HRA DHS Office of Equity and Inclusion, and this is our DEI podcast. We are loving it. Please continue to listen and subscribe. We talk about employee burnout. We got Kimmy Kang, CEO of Alchemist Beauty, back in the house. We just had to bring you back. Kimmy, how's everything? Everything's okay. Gosh, well, we got in last time, especially they was like, Greg, you citing all these numbers about R-E-S-P-E-C-T at work, you know, and yes, that can lead to burnout. And definitely, you know, Shaq was, uh, you know, I like that quote. You, you held it. Long and strong self, self-audit, self y'all. Self-audit, y'all, at work. Because sometimes you need to take an introspect into the retrospect and a lot of holes, a lot of specs. But let's go back into talking about, you know, employee burnout. So, Kimi, let's talk about, you know, you're a, a, a business owner now. You worked in the corporate sector. You worked in the education sector. You worked in the private sector. You know, what is the difference in your eyes out of all of your professional years of experience between feeling like, you know, you are being perceived as being burnt out. People can see it. Like they can see the expression in your face, in your body, and maybe the perception of laziness. You know what? I don't know if anyone ever um, told me that they felt like I was burnt out in a professional environment because I've worked in environments where the client or the student or whoever else we were servicing was more important <laughs> than, than we were, to be quite honest with you. And sometimes it feels like that. But I do remember having a conversation with someone who was a manager at the time, and he was asking if I still wanted to do the job, essentially. And I explained to him how pretty much I had developed anxiety at that point in time. And there was no mitigation of it that was presented. So I think it really depends on um, what sector you're in, the, the organization, the values, and, and your direct manager. Because although I didn't have a burnout instance, I do remember having managers who would just give me thank you notes. You know, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for very specific actions. And I think that was really, really helpful and motivational. So when I had people who worked under me, I'd make sure to have the check-ins and the conversations, as well as, you know, here's some bubble tea, because I love bubble tea guys, um, just to make sure that they felt like they were being seen and appreciated. It's little tokens that I, I think um, can kind of help, even if you don't exactly know what was going on. 
But I do want to address it from the other side. As a manager myself, I did experience um, seeing that someone who worked for me was really burnt out. In fact, she ended up crying in my office. And that was difficult to see because sometimes you don't know exactly what to say. It's certain things that are uncontrollable because burnout doesn't have to necessarily come from your work for you to be burnt out at work. It can definitely come from your home life, personal experiences, just anything, you know? And it was really, really difficult for a lot of people during the pandemic as well. Um, and it's hard to manage that when you're experiencing it as well, because everyone has different coping mechanisms. So, and that's another thing, like, you know, if you're feeling burnt out, you don't want to be perceived as I'm not being lazy guys. I'm not complaining. It's, this I, is, I ain't got it. I, ain't, I don't have it today, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And at the other end of the spectrum, as a manager, you shouldn't always perceive people that are working. You know, if you see low energy, don't assume that that person is lazy. Don't don't assume that that person is just procrastinating. They may have a hard day, you know? There can also be a medical issue that you're unaware of. You know, employees don't necessarily disclose that all the time, but that is something that does come up that can directly affect energy. I think having open lines of communication with, within your team is of the utmost importance. You need to actually know people. And I know that that's a difficult concept for a lot of people because I think the belief is you're not supposed to be happy at work. You're supposed to go to work and collect your check because you're providing a service and you're getting paid for it. But the reality is we spend a lot of time working. Like our day is comprised, you know, at least a third of it is usually for work. If you're doing that and you're around people, you should probably know them just a little bit. It doesn't have to be super, super intimate and personal, but once you're aware of people's moods, temperaments, things that they like, don't like, then you can figure out how to incentivize people better. You can be more compassionate and empathetic toward them. And then also you can create better synergies within your team. Yeah, I bought Shaq a vegan donut one time. She, she, she thanked me. Are you vegan? Yes, I'm vegan. I thought that was a very, um thoughtful thing um i don't buy him things <laughs> not at all um, yeah um so yeah just kind of getting to know your co-workers and um being kind to them yeah your co-workers even yeah and managers getting to know their employees and kind of just paying attention to their work style when it comes to burnout also like if a person is you know consistently putting out good work and stuff and there's a shift like you should you should be able to recognize it as a manager or even as a co-worker and just be like you know something might be wrong like let me you know either give them a pass or ask if everything is okay so i think that's too where you can understand the difference between burnout and kind of being lazy um i do have one thing to add though as you were speaking i was thinking I think if a manager is coming to someone because they've noticed a change or whether it's an energy level or productivity in general, I think it's important to go to the person in a non-confrontational type of way because sometimes if a person's afraid that they're going to get written up or there's some type of reprimanding that's going to happen, it just doesn't create a good environment. If you notice something, you should try to notice it as early as possible. We know that life happens and sometimes you're not aware of things, but the conversation should feel non-threatening. I think that's like a key element. That is a really good point because I know um, 
just from my experience and other jobs, like with kind of interacting with employees and them being afraid to come forward, um, you know, and being like, is this going to go on my record if I share this? You know, is it going to like cause an issue with my career and stuff? So, you know, just like you said, coming in a non-threatening way where like, you know, life happens, uh, you know, let's have a discussion about, you know, whatever's going on. You can share, you can trust me. This is a safe space. I, I think creating those spaces for, for employees are important um, when it comes to burnout. Uh, so, you know, we've discussed a lot of things so far. So what should the employers do to prevent burnout? What should they do more of, actually? I think that actually sticking to a check-in schedule is is like your first step, right? And I, again, I have complete empathy. I know so many things can come up, but you have to be able to check in, right? And if you're checking in regularly, normally, then it does feel like it's not a confrontational type of thing. This is just regular. Um, that's the first thing. I think that people who are in management positions need to actually understand what someone's workflow really looks like because I I think we underestimate often how much goes into anything, <laughs> right? It's the minutia, it's all these little tasks and stuff. They can take a long time or they can be um, emotionally draining in some instances, especially when you're working with other people. Collaboration can be challenging. So having an actual accurate picture of what work looks like. Like, talk to me about your day-to-day. -day. How does that look? What does a, a week look like for you? How do you prioritize this? When you have a better understanding, then, then you're not gonna like offload so much on the person. In addition, if you have a better understanding of what someone's day-to-day -day looks like, and you're talking to them, you're getting to know them, you can know what kind of additional projects would be more like passion projects almost for someone. You can't have someone who hates writing doing like the newsletter. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, so again, it's about knowing who people are. And then also like there's the um, EAP program most of the time. Well, I guess it's EA program <laughs> most of the time um, that's available. People should know what resources are available to them in case they can use it. And one of the words that keeps on coming up is trust. You have to trust people to tell you what it is that they feel capable of at this point in time, and then what you feel that they're capable of. And you know, if there's a bridge that needs to be met, then you know that's fine. But like, you have to trust that the person that you're talking to is not going to use everything against you. Also, we have a lot of wellness resources here. The e we get um, EAP emails are sent out. Um, we also have Work Well, where we do promote a lot of. Um, Shout well, out to Workwell yes. NYC. Shout out to Workwell NYC. That's what Shaq was trying to say. Shout out to Workwell NYC. They're awesome. <laughs> We've done a few workshops with them. Oh, and who is EAP? Shout out to EAP. Uh, employee Assistance um, Services. Um, you said EAP. That's EAS. I don't know, Ray. I don't remember. <laughs> okay, never mind. So shout out for you, EPS. EAP. But <laughs> employees know what it is. Isn't that employee assistance program? Probably. Yep. Yes, guys. Yeah. That's why I said EA program. EA program. <laughs> yeah. We we want. I'm sorry. I attention. took I took Shaq's Altoids, y'all. I'm disrupting the show. Let's get back on track. <laughs> 
Yeah, but we have a lot of those resources here. How would you engage employees regarding using these resources? Okay, so one thing that I found out years ago was that most people, even people who work for city, state, whatever government, they don't necessarily know which programs are available to them and how that could benefit their lives, right? I think that, well, it's a couple of different ways that you could do it. One, you could actually get the statistics from those different programs and departments to see like, what is the usage rate? You know, do you have any demographic information about it? Or if it's coming from certain agencies or anything like that, that's on the outside. The other one could be just a casual poll to see if people know anything about some of the top three programs. And then there could, I mean, I don't know if you guys are gonna do this, but I would always, always um, say that a wellness day or even like bringing in small services, if it could be like chair massages or something like that, that could be really, really helpful and beneficial because sometimes people might be like, yeah, yeah, I see that, but they don't really know. You know, sometimes you can get like discounts on your telephone service and everything through these programs and people don't know because it's just another email to open. And I don't open half the emails I get, I'm not even gonna lie to you. <laughs> well, if people don't know, everything you said we offer, <laughs> just check out City Share. We, we have a lot. There are discounts and, um, again, work well. But um, we have activities like that. We had like a mindful um, session where people, where there was meditation and people would come in and take 15 minutes. Um, and it was, it was popular. People enjoyed it. So, you know, these are some things that prevent burnout. It's, it's really uh, helpful. You know, I, I like how, how, how you shout out, you know, City Share. Yeah, shout out to them. Because I think it comes to the pockets, Shaq. I think it comes to the pockets, Kimi. You know, um, in 2021, Doolittle survey showed that 41% of millennials and 46% of Gen Zs, like they felt stressed out most of the time because of their financial circumstances. So I know, just like you said, you know, your job may have that discount for your phone, you know, that, that phone bill. And they may have that discount, you know, for loads of things. Check it out. See what your employee resource groups are. See what, you know, is, if you're a union worker, see what's afforded to you. If you're an at-will employee, see what's afforded to you. Because I know sometimes if we can alleviate the pockets, I, I, I was going to try to rhyme with that. But anyway, what, you know, what do you really think about that as far as in how can one's financial circumstances impact their own burnt, their own feeling of being burnt out? Okay. So one of the things that I think about often is um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And I think that we all have lofty goals to self-actualize. It's definitely something I think about. But the reality is if your basic needs are not being met or you feel like you're always in survival mode, which a lot of people are, right? Just being able to pay your bills, the rent, to be able to afford food that's nutritious and then like time management and everything. If you're still at that level, you're in survival mode. You don't have time to think about like all these lofty ideas of being the best you and everything. And that's the reality. So, um, it's a high, high stress environment just within yourself when you don't think that you can survive. This is dismal. I see the, you guys, you can't see it, but there's a look of shock on people's faces right now. And it's the reality. 
I think looking for the resources that are available where you're not leaving money on the table, that's one thing that can alleviate it. I think also, as bad as it may sound, having a group to commiserate with, it, the social support that it provides, you might be able to be creative with other things like pooling, you know, like if you trust the people and how they're cooking, you know, like somebody could make lunch for the the group for the, you know, that day. And then you, you guys alternators or other creative types of ideas, but it's about having the social support that can help with that. It's about um, understanding what your true financial picture is because a lot of people get stressed out and then they spend more money because they feel like retail therapy and this is gonna work. Um, being mindful of what you're putting into your body because that definitely affects how your mood's gonna be. Fun fact guys, they say that yellow things and orange things and things that are sunny looking make you feel happier. So if you're eating like citrus fruits and stuff like that, it actually improves your mood. This is science, I didn't make this up, this is real. Um, but I think that like money does affect stress levels. It, it always will until you feel like you're not struggling, until you feel security and safety. But what's really necessary as an action plan is to be truthful about where you actually are right now and then what you can do with it, you know? And then what the plan is if you need to get to another level. And that's, and, and before Shaq, interjects and, and comes with all the points in the world. That's why I keep oh, telling Shaq, for real. And that's why, I mean, I tell Shaq, that's why I love what we do as DEI professionals because, and, and you know, people cringe when they talk about money at work, but I, I don't think they see the underlying factors and the benefits of having DEI professionals on staff, having a DEI office, because that's our actual job is to create that avenue of access for resources that gets everybody on the same level playing field so that you can get to where you need to go. But go ahead, Shaq. I'm sorry that I interjected too early. No, it's okay. Those were good points. I know, Those, right? Yeah, I, I like that. yourself on the back. Good, good job. Good Thank job. you. Yes. Um, so, yeah, to go back to, you know, just the money aspect of it, um, thinking about my story, like we... You know, I'm a millennial. I'm an older millennial. And when I got out of don't college... Don't date yourself, Shaq. You don't look older. <laughs> I'm letting y'all know. She got the glue. Okay. When I when I graduated out of college, you know, it was a struggle because it was the recession. And, um, you know, my pay was really low. And then I was um, working and trying to prove myself in this job and not getting any recognition for it. It, it just took a toll on me and it, it just drained me. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. Like, you know, get out of college, you, you think you have this dream, you have this plan and you enter into the workforce and, and it may be low and you, you're trying to prove yourself, but you don't see anything happening. But it sometimes it takes patience and it takes time. You know, we don't have time sometimes when it comes to like pay and kind of surviving on your own. But um, yeah, like I, I think that's a, um, you know, that's a lot about stories. I think that also, in addition to this, and I'm sorry, Greg, because maybe we were supposed to move on, but we're not going to just yet. Oh, um, that was good. I, like I was getting a look. I like that. Uh -oh. Yeah. Shock, you like anybody that puts me in my place. Go ahead, Kimi. You the guest, though. Thank you. So the thing that I was just thinking about is um, the concept of like generational wealth. And another thing within the DEI space to address is sometimes, you know, some people, have the privilege to be able to call mom and dad 
or uncle or whoever the case is and have them back them, right? So it takes a certain level of stress off their plate. Another thing, and in a, a lot of our listeners may not have that, right? So we already know this is a, a challenge point because when you have to get it for yourself and then maybe help out your family as someone who's earning more than they may have, like this is another load of pressure because it's not just you that you're thinking about. So the the other topic that I want to discuss is how um, in some communities, conversations are not had early on about what, you know, economic stability looks like and how you should plan and prepare for being an adult. This conversation is hard to have with, um, or it's hard to have had with your parents because maybe your parents didn't know how to really uh, look and say, okay, this is what the financial outlook looks like. These are the different moves that you can make. So I think that something, if you have time and you should try to make the time for it, is to understand what kind of moves can put you in a financially advantageous situation. And whether that's making sure that you have certain insurances, which may seem like a waste of money initially, because it's just like, this may never happen. But look into it a little bit more. Also look into what kind of investing feels comfortable for you. And maybe over time, you learn a little bit more about that. And, and talk to your friends. If you're not comfortable disclosing your income just yet, you know that's fine. But talk to them about what they're doing for their future. Read books about this. Listen to podcasts about this. Because it is going to be our job when, you know, as parents, as people become parents, as you become a grandparent even, to educate the next generation so that they have some of the advantages that you may not have had. That's right. Well, listen, I think I love part part one and two about employee burnout. Thank you so much, Kimi Kang. You're you welcome. Know, I'm just Thank saying Alchemist me. Beauty, you know, you got your own business now. <laughs> Leveled up. But yeah, thank you, Shaq, for, for letting me take three of your Altoids during the show. Why did your tone some... change? Your tone um, changed. <laughs> because she's a guest and you're my co-host. Okay. But I'm going to end off the show, okay? Because you always have your quotes, but I'm going to end off the show. Yeah, and and I'm going to go back to encapsulate everything we kind of talked about because I really want our listeners to think about this. Is my burnout your burnout? Why do you say that, Greg? Well, we, we, I know it's not the same. Um, think about it. You know, the, the baby boomers generation, they, uh, in their work career, experienced the 1990s recession. They experienced globalization and they experienced the development of technology. Uh, think about the Gen Xers within their work careers. They experienced the September 11th uh, terrorist attacks and the new economy, you know, the burst of the dot-com. And, and a global recession. It always seems like we always hit in a recession every 10 years. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> think about the millennials. Woo, shout out to my millennials. Um, Occupy Wall Street. I remember that. I remember all BLM, Black Lives Matter, hashtag Me Too movement, mm-hmm. but we're still going on. Yeah. And everybody has a burnout. Your burnout may not have been my burnout, but we all got to get through it together. Thank you all for listening to the Grier Project podcast series. I thanked her. Already. I know, but we want to say I love again. all the things. Thank we you. We think she's great. <laughs> that is three thank yous. You just want to have the last word. Let me give you the last word. I don't have anything else to say. Damn. All right. Stay tuned, y'all. Thank you.
The Grier Project podcast series is produced by the New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and Department of Homeless Services. You can find us on the web at www.nyc.gov backslash DSS.